Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Hopevale Church's online worship experience. Hopevale is a church community in the Great Lakes Bay region of Michigan. I'm Sam Burke. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we want to say a very special welcome to you and thank you for joining us today online. If you are new and this is your first time worshiping with us, we don't want it to be your last time. And so if you wouldn't mind, go to hopevale.org slash new and fill out our online connect card. We want to get some information from you so we can get to know you better. And we want to give you some things so that you can get to know us better as well. And if you have a family and you have young kids, elementary age, or even preteen kids, don't forget about our family resources. Go to hopevale.org slash COVID-19 and click on the family resources. There's a ton of resources there for you and your family to connect with. Well, there's a question that's been on everybody's mind and it's been on our minds too. And that question goes something like this. When can we gather back together physically? Well, we wanted you to know as a staff that we've been working hard behind the scenes to come up with a wise and prudent plan for us to be able to regather physically in a safe way in the near future. We're not ready to share that plan with you yet, but in the meantime, until we are ready, here's what we want you to remember. We want you to remember that God first, God is the same God. COVID-19 did not change God. We also want you to remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we also want you to remember that the church is not a building. It's not a place. The church is a people. The church is a community of people that are gathered together, both physically and online, who are all about bringing the light of Jesus to this dark world. And so even though we're not able to gather together physically, until we are, we can still be the church. And we can still bring the light of Jesus to the darkness in this world. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to worship together. We're going to learn together. But before we do that, let's go to God and pray together and invite him into our services, invite him into your homes, and let's um, see what God wants to teach us today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the ability to gather. Um, even though we can't gather physically, we can still gather together in spirit. We can gather together here online. And God, we want to invite you into our homes. We want to invite you into our, our spaces. We want to invite you into our, our own lives to do your work in us. And God, we, we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, would, would encourage us as we worship, as we learn from your word together. God, use this service to bring hope, encouragement, and light to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, we're not in my basement right now. Isn't that awesome? Pretty cool. <laughs> or my basement got like a lot prettier with friends and things. So uh, glad you guys are here. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And uh, thanks for logging in for worship today, everybody. You know, we really are celebrating this next phase, this next step of of groups of 10-ish, you know, being able to gather again. And we're just really pumped to be able to be on the platform here at the Hopevale Saginaw and worship together. We've had a, a great bunch of rehearsals leading up to right now, and um, we're really excited to lead in worship today. So, And just as Sam said, you know, your, our, your leaders at Hopevale are behind the scenes trying to work out when we can gather for worship next and what that's going to look like or what even in smaller groups and how that's going to happen. So a lot of thoughts and uh, things going on with that. So give you something to pray for and uh, hope for too, which is pretty cool. So we're just celebrating this time of being able to worship together in a, in a different way. It's awesome. So let's set our hearts, gang, on the things of God and Christ, and let's be about his heart and his ways so that we together can just be made better for him and live a better life for him. The life
that he wants us to live. So let's worship together as Alyssa kicks us off.
Turn crazy. 
months ago when, uh, when all of this COVID chaos ensued, I found myself one day really in sort of a panic. Our, our college-age sons had been sent home. They were doing school online. Our high school student, he was doing school online. At work, they were talking about switching, turning us into two teams and doing a rotational schedule so we don't cross-contaminate one another. And it seemed like information was being thrown at us daily and then hourly. People at work were freaking out, and I was kind of starting to freak out, and I thought, you know what, i got to get out of here. So I took my lunch hour. I'm driving home. My heart's racing. My, I've got a lump in my throat. I'm thinking, what is going on? I'm, I need to get it together. I go home. I make some lunch. I eat like half of it. I'm telling my oldest son kind of how I'm feeling, and I had about 10 minutes before I would have had to have left to go back to work. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? I need to go. I need to get in a better space. I need to worship and I need to pray. So I left, put a worship song on in my car, and um, I honestly don't remember what one it was. But I do remember trying to sing along and instantly getting that lump in my throat and the tears just coming. And before I could even finish my thought of, God, why am I so panicked? It was like instantly the Holy Spirit showed me that I was panicked over the loss of control 
that I never had to begin with. And that the one who has always been in control is still in control. You know, time and time again, scripture depicts God as seated on his throne. Seated, like square. And there's such power in that, and there's such peace in that. And in that moment, that confidence of knowing that my God is on his throne and the overwhelming peace that followed was all that I could bear. See, in times in my life when I'm surprised by something and when I'm taken back, God is never surprised. It never takes him off guard. He's never sitting on the edge of his throne, wringing his hands, thinking, whoa, where'd that come from? That's not who he is. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, faithful, and true. His thoughts toward us are good, and his plans for us are for our good, to give us a future, to give us a hope. His love knows no limits when it comes to us. The Bible says that our names are engraved in the palms of his hands. He will not forget us. We are constantly on his mind. This next song that we're going to sing is about trusting in God. Let's renew our trust in him today, knowing that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can trust in him.
Hey, Opel, this is Pastor Dan, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship this weekend. You know, I got to tell you that even though we're not all yet gathered back together physically, it is great, as Pastor Billy said, to be on this stage in this place in our Saginaw Worship Auditorium. And to me, this is like the first buds on the trees in springtime, and we are trusting that this is the first of many steps we will take of us eventually all coming back together and being in the same space for worship. And that includes both Saginaw and Bay City. And so until that time comes, as we've been doing, we'll let you know through our Hopevale channels, right, on social media, website, our mobile app, our weekly all-church emails. We will keep you up to date on all the hows and the whens of our regathering plans as we head into June. Also, this is the last weekend of the month, which means we typically observe communion as a church family at this time. And so as we have been encouraging you in this season, we invite you 
to partake in communion in your own homes. We have a couple brief videos to help you along with that. There's a basic one, and then there's one that's geared more towards children and families. And you can access those videos on our mobile app, as well as you can go to our website, hopefell.org slash communion. So if you have some bread and some juice at home, go ahead and remember the Lord's death on your behalf as one more way to worship and to ground yourself in the hope of Jesus Christ. Well, today we are gonna put a loose bow on our post-Easter series called Encountering Hope. Encountering Hope, this journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark that we've been taking. And the, the reason I say loose bow is that today could be the end of a series that we're never gonna get back to, or we might return to the gospel sometime down the road. But either way, next Sunday, we're gonna change things up and we're gonna kick off a new series for the month of June that Pastor Sam is gonna tell you more about at the end of the service. But for now, as we get back to the gospel of Mark, the passage we're gonna look at today centers around another intense showdown. Another intense showdown between Jesus and the religious establishment. And even as I say that out loud, I can't help but think, hmm, intense showdown. That feels vaguely familiar, doesn't it? That unless you've been hiding under a rock, this past month has felt like one intense showdown, hasn't it? That in our country, and even more specifically in our state, that what started as a health crisis back in March has now been replaced by a clash of partisan politics, where fear has now been taken over by anger, and where something even seemingly non-political, like wearing or not wearing a face mask, has now turned into making a statement and choosing a side, even if we never intended to do so. So yeah, I think we know a thing or two about intense showdowns these days. Now to be clear, today's passage in the Gospel of Mark describes an event that happened 2,000 years ago and took place halfway around the world. It wasn't written primarily to address how we should navigate today's landmines of partisan politics amidst a global pandemic. After all, at first glance, these two situations back then and here today, they couldn't be any more different. And yet, because this story involves Jesus, I do think we need to pay attention and see what he has for us today. So with that in mind, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter three. Mark chapter three, we're gonna begin in verse one. Now, if you remember from last week, you know, Jesus had already been ruffling the religious establishment. He did so because he wasn't playing by their rules, these meticulously crafted rules about what constituted the righteous behavior they deemed as acceptable to God. And so whether it had to do with rigorous fasting or keeping the Sabbath, these religious leaders were bothered by this carefree attitude that Jesus and his disciples seemed to demonstrate toward the elaborate system of all the do's and don'ts they had set up. 
Well, leave it to Jesus, right, to raise the stakes. And yet it's not so much about picking a fight as it is about making a point. Like I said last week, Jesus was passionate about exposing and dismantling their toxic religiosity. Because before you can grab onto the good of the hope he came to bring, you first have to let go of all the bad that gets in the way. And so all this tension is already in the air, heading into today's passage. So given the context, let's see what happens next. Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 1. Let's take a look. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them, heal him on the Sabbath. And so you've got these three main sets of character. You've got Jesus, you've got this man with the shriveled hand, and then you've got some of these religious leaders in the synagogue who are specifically waiting to see if Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath. And if he did, he would thus violate their rules again, right? They're keeping score. They're collecting evidence, which, by the way, is totally the attitude you should bring when you go to worship at the synagogue, right? This judgy smugness that's just waiting to pounce on someone else when they mess up. I mean, how dare they? I Like, we would never, right, come to church looking for a reason to find fault in someone else who's doing something that bothers us, right? No, we wouldn't, but that's what they did. And so just two verses into the story, and you can already feel another showdown brewing. In verse three, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, you got to feel for the guy, right? I mean, there he is at the synagogue for worship on the Sabbath. He's just minding his own business, and you know what? We're not even told that he showed up just so Jesus could heal him, though I'm sure deep down that's what he wanted. So Jesus tells him to stand up. We assume that's what he does, verse four. Then Jesus asked them, not him, them, these leaders, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Now, to me, I am fascinated by what Jesus asked these religious leaders here because to heal or not to heal was not his question, was it? No, Jesus went beyond the superficiality of their man-made Sabbath laws and he got to the heart of intent. Intent where it's not so much about what the rules say, but rather why were they given? Why were they given to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill, that if Jesus does indeed have the power to do good and heal this man, to love his neighbor as himself, isn't that more important than checking some feel-good religious box and keeping this man in his misery? Well, when you put it that way, I think the answer is obvious. No, actually, I know the answer is obvious, which is why Jesus' adversaries just stood there in silence and didn't say a word. See, deep down, they knew the right answer too. They did. But if they said it was about doing good, then they would have been seen as affirming Jesus and his mission of hope. But then if they would have said it was about doing evil, 
then they would have been exposed for the hypocrites that they were. Either way, they were trapped, so they just zipped their lip and pleaded the fifth. So now, I mean, picture the scene. You have this tense and awkward silence that's hovering over the synagogue for some period of time. And even if it's just a matter of seconds, it's got to feel like ours until verse 5. He, Jesus, looked around at them in anger, anger, and deeply distressed, look at this, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored, healed. You know, it's incredible how much this one verse tells us so much about Jesus. So much. I mean, first of all, once again, we see Jesus demonstrate his supernatural power over sickness and disease. We see Jesus perform another healing miracle. And a few weeks ago, we talked at length about the purpose of Jesus' miracles. And so I'm not going to revisit all that again, but simply to say, right, here's Jesus and his works continue to back up his words about what he said, who he was, and why he came. But beyond the miracle itself, you know what grabs me in this passage is the insight into Jesus' thoughts, his feelings, and emotions. For one, Jesus got angry, real angry. Don't miss that, people. So yeah, we talk a lot here at Hopewell about the love of Jesus, and rightfully so. We want to celebrate that as much as we can in our worship. But as you can see here, real love, true love, divine love, does not mean the absence of anger. Nor does it mean the acceptance of things and people who prevent others from coming to know and worship the one true God. Jesus looked at them in anger. And, Mark says, look at this. Jesus was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. That it crushed Jesus to see these religious leaders who were so entrenched in their stubbornness that out of a lack of love, they would rather say, stay committed to their own point of view than to do the right thing. Stay committed to their own point of view, what they felt was right, than do the right thing. And there was absolutely no way they were ever going to admit that they were wrong. That the depth of their stubborn hearts deeply distressed Jesus. That was their story, and I want you to hold on to that powerful image because we're going to revisit that again in a little bit. But let's go back to the story. That after Jesus heals this man in plain sight in front of everyone who's there, verse 6, then the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, the religious establishment, went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. It is mind-boggling to see the lengths that some people will go, blinded by stubborn pride, before they admit they're wrong. No, these Pharisees, they are so dug into their own sense of rightness that they're now justifying plans to murder Jesus, even though it clearly violates the sixth commandment, thou shall not murder And if that wasn't bad enough, these piously religious Pharisees are now even willing to collaborate with leaders of this secular and privileged political party, the Herodians, 
whom up to this point, they oppose each other on virtually every issue possible. Now on the surface, you know, this partnership makes no sense at all. But see, once your heart is gripped by stubborn pride, you'll find yourself doing a lot of things that make no sense at all. Things that are completely inconsistent with your professed convictions, values, and beliefs. That's what stubborn pride can do. And so the Pharisees went out. And they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. And so here we are 2,000 years later. And we now know that this indeed is how the story ends. It's how the story ends, that is, until the resurrection. Where we as Christians, you know, we will forever be grateful for that last and greatest miracle. But in this moment right here in Mark chapter 3, this is the match that lit the fuse, that led to the unjust and inhumane crucifixion of our Savior Jesus Christ. All because of what? All because of the stubborn hearts of some influential leaders who chose their laws over love. They chose their laws over love. That's why Jesus was so distressed. And that's why he wanted to expose their religion because it was the polar opposite of the hope he came to bring. See, here's what you need to know about the hope of Jesus. The hope he came to bring, the hope he has for you, and the hope he wants you to live out. Here it is. Hope always chooses love. The hope of Jesus in us and through us always chooses love. See, that's what this intense showdown is all about. It's Jesus wanting to do good on the Sabbath for someone else out of love versus a group of people who are so stubbornly entrenched in their own sense of rightness that the well-being of others was their very last concern. And because this group of people was so influential, you know, this isn't about Jesus picking on a weakling. No, this is about Jesus taking on a bully. A bully that had created this loveless climate of religious fear that kept others from experiencing genuine faith in God. So did Jesus get angry? Yeah, he did. But he did so because hope always chooses love. Always. And so I got to tell you that as I was working on the message this week, I couldn't help but think about our church, our community, our culture, and our country. And not to compare myself with Jesus, but as I look around these days, I too get angry sometimes. I too feel deeply distressed by the lack of love it seems that I see in others. Others who appear to me like their own sense of rightness is the most important thing in the world and that the needs and fears and worries of others are of no concern to them at all. Can I get an amen? Now, even as I say that, I realize that some of you think I'm picking a side right now in this national reopening debate that's going on. And what cracks me up about that is that both sides probably think I'm picking the other one, that I'm siding with the slow down crowd or I'm siding with the speed up crowd. But here's the thing, that what we have been through in this last season is so much more than some two-sided binary debate that has devolved into a partisan political battle. Don't get sucked in by that. 
No, on a national, on a state, and on a local level, we are trying to navigate a lot of really complex issues. Health needs, economic needs, social needs, psychological needs, and then for us as a church, spiritual needs. And not only do these needs sometimes compete against each other, but then you also add different life situations and unique personality temperaments, and it's no wonder why things have become so heated and why we feel so passionately about this. Well, I'm not going to stand up here and try to persuade you one way or the other, nor am I going to get on my soapbox and lecture our culture. But as a pastor in this church, I do feel like it's my duty to talk to you as a church in light of today's passage and what I think Jesus requires of us in this season. So let me ask you a very direct question. That if Jesus looked into your heart right now, what would he see? That if Jesus looked into your heart right now, what would he see? Would he be moved by your compassion or would he be disturbed by your stubbornness? Would he see someone who's trying to act in love and consider the needs of others? Or would he see someone who is so entrenched in their own sense of rightness that they're unwilling to consider anyone else? Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I love that our church is filled with people who have strong convictions. Strong convictions. I love that. So I'm not saying that the answer is that we don't care about anything. No, go ahead and be passionate. Just make sure that your passion doesn't turn into poison. Can I say that again? Make sure that your passion doesn't turn into poison. Because passion without a love for others, it leads to this very prideful stubbornness that angered Jesus and deeply disturbed his heart. No, first and foremost, hope always chooses love. Always. It's the kind of love that the Apostle Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 4 says this. Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Or I also added the word here, stubborn, right? Verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not, look at this. Love is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And I know this is a passage that gets read quite a bit at weddings, but you know what? It was really first and foremost meant for the church. It's meant for us in how we live and how we love that we should be more controlled we should be more influenced by the capital L life of Jesus within us than the heated arguments around us. No, hope always chooses love. So let's be the kind of church that lives out Jesus' greatest commandment that says that we're to love God with everything we've got and that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, even if we think they're wrong. Well, in a moment... I'm going to close 
But before I do, I bet a bunch of you are thinking the same question that Pastor Sam brought up in the beginning. Pastor, Sam, Pastor Dan, you know, all this talk about love is fine and good, but when can I get back to church? When can I get back to church? After all, as many of you know, we sent out that informal survey through our mobile app to gauge a sense of everyone's readiness, and we've received nearly 900 responses, which is great. Now, I'm not going to go through the results right now, but we are going to address them at our virtual annual church business meeting, which is on Sunday night, May 31st at 6 p.m., as well as in the days to follow. Nor am I going to give you a detailed reopening plan right now, though we have been working hard every day to come up with safe and specific steps that will begin in June. But here's what I do want you to know as we think and pray this through. That by the grace of God, we are going to make sure that we do our best to build plans that take into consideration these three factors. These three factors. What are our reopening considerations? Well, first of all, your needs. Your needs. You need to know that your needs matter to us. They do. And we know that even if you haven't been impacted medically by COVID-19, we know that this lockdown season has affected you in other ways, like I said earlier, economically, vocationally, socially, relationally, psychologically, spiritually, or all of the above. And so while we have been grateful to stay connected and worship virtually, I know, I know you miss being in your place with your people, we all do. And so I want you to know that we do feel a sense of urgency to get us back together. And we are doing our best to make that happen as soon as possible and as safe as possible. But beyond your needs, there's also our mission. Our mission here at Hopewell, we are a community of grace and truth, inviting people to know and follow Jesus. And you know what? That hasn't stopped. We never pushed pause because the church at its core is not defined by a place to attend, but rather a people to belong to. And you know, I have been blown away at how compassionate and how creative you've been to keep that going despite the restrictions. And see, as a community of grace and truth, we are governed by Jesus' new commandment to love one another as he has loved us. Some of you have been doing that virtually. Other of you have been doing that safely with social distancing and that as we love each other, you know what? We're gonna extend our arms and we're gonna widen the circle to invite others to know and to follow Jesus with us. That's what lies ahead. And that's why, you know, I gotta tell you, I have been so encouraged to hear a bunch of great flood relief stories over the past several days, of ministry that's taking place both in Saginaw County and in Midland County, where many of you are rolling up your sleeves and you are loving your neighbor in real and practical ways, that instead of grabbing signs to protest your rights, you grab shovels to serve in love, just like Jesus. See, that right there is you putting feet your faith. You living out the mission of our church, no matter the circumstances. Your needs, our mission. And then third, 
everyone's well-being. Everyone's well-being. Listen, if you think we're not opening as soon as you would like or as much as you want, it is not because our rights are being taken away from us or that we are being suppressed by the government. It's not. So yes, just as Jesus said, we are to render under Caesar what is Caesar's, and we are to render under God what is God's. And as the Apostle Paul taught us in the book of Romans, we're also to pray for our leaders and we're to honor the governmental authorities that God has sovereignly put into place. But you need to know that our church leadership here at Hopewell, me included, that we will always recognize God as our ultimate authority. Always. And if we ever feel like that's being threatened or that our freedom of worship is being taken away from us, we would resist. We would choose God first. We would. But having said that, we don't feel like that's what's going on right now. We don't. No, you know what? The main reason we're not fully back yet is not because of man-made laws, but rather because of Christ-like Love and the consideration of everyone's well-being. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of it. Which, to be honest, is especially challenging for a larger church like us with a multi-generational congregation that's filled with diverse personalities and perspectives. Gotta tell you, that's what I really love about our church. I really do. Now, with all this diversity, doesn't mean we are going to wait and wait and wait until the last person is ready. But it also doesn't mean that we're going to recklessly rush to reopen either just to say we're first. No, we are going to look to God for his wisdom so that we can put into place a practical plan that's going to take into consideration all three of these factors, your needs, our mission, and everyone's well-being. Listen, we want to do this well, and we want to do this soon. So let's keep praying. Let's keep talking. And let's keep loving, because hope always chooses love. Always. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are Lord over this church called Hope Vale. And for those of us who believe you are Lord over our lives. And we don't want to miss what we've seen in today's passage. About this, this anger, about being deeply disturbed over the stubbornness of heart. And God, while that's so easy to see in others, it is so difficult and challenging and humbling to see in ourselves. And yet we pray you'd begin with each one of us. God, you'd begin with me. And that you would reveal just these wrong and ugly attitudes that, that, that elevate my own way over the love for others. And God, collectively as a church, you would just begin to expose and dismantle that and replace it with a hope that always chooses love. God, thank you that the church always gets to be the church regardless of the season, regardless of the circumstances. 
And so may we be this community of grace and truth centered around Jesus, loving each other as you have loved us. And that as we do so, whatever it looks like, we will continue to invite others to know and follow Jesus with us. God, we do pray for wisdom. and We're gonna trust you for that. But more importantly, let's be the kind of people, let's be the kind of church that loves well because you have first loved us now, always, and forever. This we pray in Jesus' name.
especially during situations like we've been dealing with lately. Well, we want to say thank you so much to those of you who have supported Hopevale Church during this season by giving. If you'd like to give to Hopevale, there's several different ways that you can do that. First, you can go to our website at hopevale.org give, and you can do it that way. You can also text the word Hopevale to 77977 and give through text. Or you can physically either mail us your gift or drop it off at our ministry center location at 5360 Shattuck Road in Saginaw, Michigan, 48603. Thank you so much for worshiping with us here today. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Lessons from Lockdown, where several of our pastors over the next month are going to be sharing from their hearts some lessons that we've learned during this lockdown season. Pastor Adam is going to be teaching next week, and I can't wait for that series. So as we conclude today's service, I just want to give you a word of encouragement. Let's go be the church in our world and bring the light of Jesus into the dark places that you encounter this week. Thank you so much for being with us today.